Hey guys, it's uh, Andy here in another episode of the Mountain Malarkey Podcast with Dave. Hello everybody. How are we doing Dave? Yeah, not bad. We realise that uh, when we do the Tuesday tune-in over on Facebook, um, which we've been doing during lockdown... We had some comments and requests around, um, you know, not everyone's on Facebook, but people still wanted to hear about the content. There's been some great stuff. We've yeah. talked about bags. We've talked about Battle of the Treks. We've talked about trekking boots, mindset, fitness, loads of stuff. And we thought to ourselves, well, why don't we turn these into podcasts? Because like you said, Dave, they're, they're sitting down listening for an hour. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. This is a great format. You can do it on the go, put it in your car, listen to it. It's a bit interactive, so you're going to have seen us answer questions and stuff like that. Yeah, it's a bit different. Um, you know, but if you're listening to this, obviously, yeah. Um, and you have any questions about any of the things you hear, uh, podcast at evertrek.co.uk. Awesome, Dave. Yeah, enjoy the episode, and uh, we'll catch up with you soon. Yeah, all the best. So, yeah, today, what we thought about, because we were discussing sort of what topic we can do yeah. um, yesterday, and I think it was actually Rosie, so she'll shout at us if we take credit for her idea. Yeah, yeah. But we had quite a lot of new um, new viewers, new listeners last week, because obviously we anno- uh, announced the winner of the Everest Base Camp competition. And we thought, well, do you know what? There's an opportunity here to actually take it right back to the beginning, which is something we miss occasionally. Mm-hmm. Because we do talk a lot about what boots you need, what's it like at altitude. But quite often, there's a, there's a lot of thought that goes in way before that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, we came up with the idea. So you are a new adventurer. You've just decided to take on a big challenge. What's the top five things that you should be considering? Um, you know, before you uh, leave the house. Yeah. What, what should we start with? Well, I was thinking. So these are not in any particular order. No, I'm not saying no. I would necessarily do them in this order. No. Um, but one thing else as well, guys. If you've got anything that you think is um, really valuable um, and something that you wanted to consider. Um, or did consider, um, put it in the comments as well, because I think anyone that sort of, you know, wants to get into this world of adventuring, they'll get our top five, but if they get a couple more top fives, they could get 25 top fives. That's true. You know, true. <laughs> um, I guess the first thing to consider then, and and again, this is not in any particular order, but the first thing we're going to talk about is flights. Flights, very important. Yeah, very important, because when we, obviously when you book a trip to go to Everest Base Camp, Generally speaking, one of the top questions we get is, you know, do we include flights? How much are flights? What flights do I need? Where do I need to go? Mm-hmm. Um, so there tends to be a little bit of research, I think, that needs to be done in that respect. Um, yeah, what do you think, so? Yeah, I mean, the, it's tricky because I think a lot of people, I mean, isn't it a bit of a misconception? Because people, some people do wait till quite close to, you know, when they're flying out because yeah. um, I think it's a bit of a myth that, that, that flights get cheaper, like right up until the... You yeah know, until up so but um there's a there's a couple of like kind of hacks that you can use to, to yeah kind of search out the, the cheaper trips yeah i think andy's done um he did like an yeah, i think yeah. that might be a blog or something that people can post in here um yeah i wonder if we can find that yeah but certainly we did a um yeah brian just put yeah uh top tip for first trek remember to pack your sense of humor i think that is yeah right next to the toilet roll um but <laughs> yes. yeah it was one of the things that um I think has changed a bit through COVID as well. My thoughts on Mm. how best um, to go about flights. And I think you are right there. I think it has changed now where maybe 10, 20 years ago, you know, everyone used to get these last minute deals on flights and things like that. But 
I think that's more when you go into somewhere like Spain or Portugal and it's a it's a summer holiday destination yeah, and they want to yeah. just fill the flight. So when you go to the far-flung regions of the world, like Nepal, Tanzania, into South America, they don't really have that sort of way of working. And I tend to think the flights are cheaper the earlier you book them yeah, and yeah. get gradually more expensive as the scarcity is there. Right. Yeah, um, yeah. And I think that's down to the fact that there's fewer flights, you yeah. know, there's about four or five flights going to Spain every day from Heathrow, mm. probably more than that. Yeah. But there might only be one going to, you know, Mendoza. Right. And right, I think yeah. that the, the and then so the seats that are remaining on that plane become more valuable. Yes. As yeah. as you get closer to it. So I think, you know, my first top tip would be, yeah, do your research and, you know, choose an airline that works for you. Generally, there'll be a few, mm. um, but get them booked <clears throat> about uh, a year in advance, I would recommend. Um yeah, to get the best possible price. Yeah, I think because when I did, me and Jody did Kilimanjaro, um, when we were looking at flights, there's a couple of things that we did that actually did make a difference. And again, I think that it might be in Andy's blog. Um, but going incognito. Oh, yeah. On, the, uh, on your browser. Yeah. Um, I'm not entirely sure why that makes a difference. I think it might be to do with sort of cookies and tracking and stuff. Um, yeah. And also you can use a VPN, which also helps. Oh, yeah. I guess this is to kind of avoid. So if they know, if you've been looking for flights for quite a while, yeah, um, maybe the cookies will sort of direct you to uh, yeah. an area where you're not necessarily going to get the cheapest deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that can make a difference. Yeah, I think so. Sure. I think um, I've just noticed a couple of guys mentioned, yeah, don't go via Delhi, loads of transit delays. And then Lindsay said, um, oh, no, you've booked via Delhi. Honestly, the first two times I went to um, Nepal, um, no, I tell a lie, the first time I ever went to Nepal was I went with Air India via Delhi. Um, and I actually had zero delays. I was I literally flew in, flew out. It was really easy. But the one thing, I mean, even if there are some delays, there is a big, big bonus of flying um, via Delhi. And that's the, it's the shortest sort of flight time. You know, when I, I normally go via Qatar now, mm -hmm. so which is about a seven and a half hour flight to Qatar and then about another seven and a half hour flight to Kathmandu. Or, and it's roughly the same if you go to Tanzania as well. Right. But when you go by a Delhi, it's a nine-hour flight to Delhi and then an hour and a half to Kathmandu. Mm. So once you've done that first long haul, the vast majority of your of your, of your your travel is over. Yeah. yeah. Um, I have heard some people say about Air India not being sort of the best airline and things like that. But I don't know. I mean, I thought they were all right. Yeah, I mean, right. when I did it in 2016, I got return flights for 450 quid. Oh, really? Yeah. So if you, okay. if you do want to get... Um, a cheap deal i think they're good to go with but you know yeah comes at a cost yeah yeah you know you, you <laughs> yeah. pay elsewhere yeah yeah um some lessons i did learn through covid as well i think that um you know everyone shops around and it's about what you feel comfortable spending and you can get really good deals through these um uh, like price comparison websites for mm -hmm. flights and things oh, like that. Skyscanner. Skyscanner. Momondo yeah, yeah. is another one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the one thing I always try to look out for, though, and we noticed this during COVID, that when you book through those people, you do go through uh, usually an agency. Yes. Yeah. That is, that's a reseller of those flight tickets. When that happens, you are not dealing with the airlines terms and conditions for changes and you're dealing with the agencies. 
Right. So right. price it, you know, if you want to change your flight time, if you need to cancel or whatever, it can mm. be a bit stickier and a bit more expensive to deal with. Right. right. Um, when you go direct with the airline, you're guaranteed to get the best possible customer service, yeah. at least in my experience. Mm. Um, and I've used Momondo and stuff loads. But um, when I do, when I'm, you know, shelling out a grand on flights or something like yeah. that, I yeah. tend to go direct with the airline because I think, if I have any trouble, they'll probably be easier to deal with than a much smaller more agency. Straightforward. Yeah. 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 Um, awesome. So yeah, that's flights. I think we've got some, uh, some cues coming in about oh, flights as yeah, well. Yeah. So uh, Liliana, I think it's Liliana, Liliana Evans. I do okay. apologize, Liliana. If you're new, by the way, I, um, there is a sort of a running gag about how I get names wrong. <laughs> um, uh, there are days in my itinerary where one changes. Oh, so this is an altitude question. Ooh. I've started it now, so I'll so I'll answer <laughs> you gotta it. Finish it. So I'll finish it. But normally we, I'll answer those. But I was thinking about um, whether that was flight related. Mm. So Liliana, you've jumped the queue, but I'm happy oh, for you. Yeah, yeah. Um, there are days in your itinerary where one changes altitude: seven eight eight meters, nine eight eight meters, and thirteen fifty two meters over one day. Thought five to seven hundred tops daily is recommended for acclimatization concerns about altitude sickness had it at 4800 when trekking to Killy. overcame and made it but it was a rough night mm. so uh which trip are you are you on yeah. um because i'd be interested to know which trip that is i mean 788 meters 918 i mean i'm assuming that's the the gain because that's relatively low altitude like 988 right. is around Kind of an level but i'm assuming that's the change mm. yeah if you look oh on evc yeah so if you look at sort of um the nhs guide to altitude sickness it'll tell you that it's not recommended to go over a certain amount of altitude every day yeah because you expose yourself to the risk of altitude sickness um now whilst that is tip-top advice it can't really be transferred to the treks that we do because the whole purpose is that we're going to altitude. Yeah. For instance, you wouldn't be able to get to the summit of Tupkal, which is about a 900 meter ascent. Yeah. Because yeah. that's way over. But there's also nothing you can do about it. There's no, nowhere to no. there's nowhere to stop in the middle. Yeah, yeah. But one thing we do, and just to reassure you about Everest Base Camp, generally it is a much gentler acclimatization um, than um, Kilimanjaro. So I've done Everest Base Camp four times myself, and both me and Zach have done Kilimanjaro once. Yeah. Um, and I can tell you that Kilimanjaro, it is much steeper and you gain altitude a lot quicker. Yeah. So experiencing altitude symptoms is, is not unusual. Everest Base Camp, there's a lot more up and down. So, you know, we start at Lukla and we go down to Fakting, then we go up to Namshi, up again, but then back down to Namshi. So we do that climb high, sleep low. Um, and just to put your mind at rest, we have a um, a ninety five percent success rate and above in getting people to yeah. um, uh, getting people to uh, EBC. Yeah, really good. Awesome. Um, Great. Yeah, there's plenty of questions coming through, guys. So keep them coming. Um, you know, even if it's about the topics we're discussing or something else, always, always good to get more in. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think we've we've more or less covered. I think flights and things like that. Yeah. Um, I think the next one probably would be the next question is visa. Yeah, we have a lot of questions about visas. A lot of questions about yeah, visas, yeah. yeah. And that's usually because when you go to, again, these far-flung regions of the world, I don't know what it is about, um, you know, red tape. 
Yeah, but they, you they, you can get bogged down in it, particularly with visas, and particularly if the system that they use is not the easiest quite, to navigate. Yeah, 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 for sure. I mean, there's a, there's a yeah, they can be quite scary things to look at when you're filling in a visa because there's so much information on there. Yeah. Um, but I think there's there's a couple of things that you can do because I mean I don't know about um, EB6. I've not done it personally and, and doing the visa, but. Um, I believe you can, because obviously you can send off your visa, your, your yeah. passport to, to 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 get your visa. Yeah, a lot of people don't want to do that, but you can actually go to the embassy in in London. Yeah, that's it. Um, yeah, to get it like the same day as well. So yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. There's there's a couple of different options you can do, um, and obviously you can get it in the airport there as well. Yeah, but I guess lots of long queues um, when you're there. Yeah, a bit less stress to do it beforehand. Yeah, um, I mean particularly with so if we factor in. Um, Everest Base Camp and Kilimanjaro, mm. both destinations where you can get a visa on arrival. Yeah, I've done visa on arrival in both those. Oh, I have to do. And I've done so. I've done Kilimanjaro once, but I've been to Tanzania a couple of times. Yeah, the first time I went, it was not to climb Kili, but to sort of just go out and meet the team. And I did visa on arrival. Mm. Wouldn't recommend it. No, I think it's worth um, getting your visa plenty enough time in advance. Um, it didn't take long. I think for my Nepal visa, I sent my passport back on, I sent my passport to the embassy once I filled out the form on a Monday and I, had, I think I had it back on a Friday, mm. totally done. Yeah. Um, Tanzania, I think is more of an online Yeah, process. I did. Yeah, so I did mine online a couple of weeks before. They you know, got it back like yeah. fairly quick. Um, and I think one of the things that, I mean, I was worried about when I was filling out the visa um, that I know now uh, be useful for people, for example, doing uh, extensions like Zanzibar. Yeah, yeah. Because um, you can just use the same visa for that. Because oh, we yeah. had a couple of questions from people in our group saying, like, do I need a separate visa? Yeah. Um, but like that Tanzanian visa, that just covers um, yeah. the, if you're going over to Zanzibar as well. Um, so that's a handy little tip. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. I mean, yeah, I mean, I when I did visa for arrival in Tanzania, I highly wouldn't, I highly wouldn't recommend it. I highly wouldn't recommend it. It's I a bit of a double negative there, isn't it? I wouldn't <laughs> highly recommend it. <laughs> I, really... I wouldn't recommend it at all. Um, yeah. Because I, me and Andy were sat there in the queue for like three hours um, yeah. after a long haul. And the queue itself, it might be better now, but the queue itself wasn't particularly straightforward. So there was about four sort of kiosks, you know, when you had to mm. kind of queue up. But it looks like, like you, when you arrive in the UK and you get like a bank of desks, you just go to any desk. But they had a system where you had to start at one and then move over. Yeah. So we didn't know this until we waited an hour in one of the lines uh, to get to the front. And right. then they, they sent us to the other one. So then we had to do it again. Right. Um, funny story was just about how, so how strict and non-strict they are. So they would not let you enter the country without a visa, right? No. If you haven't got a visa, they won't let you in. Now, I got to the counter with all my forms and everything like that. Yeah. And um, rookie mistake. Okay, that's like $50 or whatever it was. And I hand over my card. No card, cash only. Oh, so then I'm like, okay, I don't have any cash. So how do I pay for my visa? And I was chatting to the guy and, and he was like, no, you can't get in. I was like, well, there has to be a way. I was like, I need to get money. So what he did was he um, he said, okay, no, no, no problem. And uh, I walked through the visa hall, right. through the uh, security and the magnets, past sort of baggage reclaim, right? left the airport, right? went to a cash point near the airport, drew a X amount of Tanzanian shilling. At the time I was thinking, do I buy a car or a pencil sharpener? <laughs> I don't know. 
walk back in, go to the bureau de change, yeah. exchange it to US dollars, walk the wrong way through immigration, <laughs> back through baggage reclaim, back through security, back to my main man at the kiosk, <laughs> there you pay go. for my visa, then go through. And then when I did it that time with my visa, then it's like empty all the pockets <laughs> and like put everything out and like lay it all out, wow. which felt moot. <laughs> you know wow but uh yeah, yeah that that was you, you um, don't need that stress you don't just, need just it. do it before yeah you don't just need do it. it just do it before um <laughs> same goes for nepal nepal i think is a little more straightforward they've got these they look like big cash machines mm. and when you arrive there there's some finagling you've got to do right but unless you're one of these people who can just sit in a queue and just not be stressed yeah it really bothers you especially you know you get that thing where you're behind someone and they're, they're like and it, you know, it's t- and you're sitting there like, oh come on, <laughs> you know. So, so more than once, I've sort of tried not to be rude. But do you want me to do the typing for you? You just, yeah. you, you just, yeah. tell me. just, just in, fact, in fact, just give me a passport. Stand back. Just give me a passport, and I'll just fix that. Like, you know, we can source it quicker. And um, wow. yeah, I can I can do this much quicker for the whole queue if you just <laughs> let me do it. Um, but yeah, if you do get your visa before, and um, you know, for those countries, much easier. And you'll feel so superior when you get off the plane and you yeah. see everyone queuing up, sweaty, waiting for the toilet, and you just waltz on through yeah. and get your bags. Yeah, so 100%, much easier. 100%. Stuart Taylor, biggest issue we're doing uh, the online visa for Tanzania is keeping your pictures to the smallest JPEG possible. Yes, yes. Um, too big of a file. Yeah, they won't accept it. Yeah, I think it's got the specifications on the, yeah. On the document. So, yeah, that's a good I think point. Yeah. There is a... I can't remember the name of it now, but you just Google it, like file compressor or something. Yeah, just compress it. I think I had to compress mine like twice, <laughs> you know, just to, just to get it down. Yeah. But that's really good. I, I think it's got, I can't remember the name of it. Andy always talks about it and it's got like a little elephant, I think. And you just upload the file, compress, uh, yeah, I know the one. compress yeah. it, yeah, and then yeah. you can just download it as a much smaller one. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, really easy to do. Yeah. Um, talking about visas as well. So there are two important subject things I, I think people need to consider. One is if you go into South America and you go in via the USA, you do need, and I, I have to, I've forgotten the name. It's like a, it's like a girl's name is how I remember it. All right. Um, it's like a transit visa. Oh, okay. Um, even if you're you're not only going, um, it's called an Esther. Esther. See, I remember that. There we that go. Oh, well done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The ESTA, um, which is uh, which is essentially a transit visa. Yeah. So if you are going to South America, make sure you get your Esther. Um, nice. Otherwise, when you get there, you're just going to be held up, and you're going to have to try and get it online. And if there's a problem, you can't. Then you know, disaster. Mm. Um, the other thing to consider is um, K2 base camp. All right. Um, the visa process is quite prolonged. Um, so, you know, if you are on K2 and you want to know about that, probably best to get in touch with us so we can yeah. help guide you through it. Yeah. Um, you need to get like an, a, <clears throat> an invitation letter from our team in Pakistan um, and you need to submit some documents um, like their IDs and some numbers and the identification and things like that. Yeah. So bit more complicated that one yeah <clears throat> i don't know what it is like i say red tape yeah they're mad for it yeah um nice uh what i'll do now because and initially i was going to talk about insurance okay but i feel like that's been a bit dry okay so yeah. i'm going to jump to fitness let's do it yeah let's do it yeah so zach you've, you've actually just done the, the closest trip right kilimanjaro no yeah. i did tupacal after Kili again yes you did you've done it what three times 
Tuchel? Two and a half. Wow. Two, <laughs> 2.5 times. Three times. Three times. <laughs> you, you've done it, what, twice? Twice, yeah. Yeah. That's enough. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think we're going to go back. Are we? Yeah. Yeah, we can I think, I, I, I think you've said, uh, I know she watches, um, you can take your mum. Yeah, Jane, Jane Goodney, she, she might be on there, but yeah, she, 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 she'd smash it. Yeah, she'd love it. Yeah, yeah. It's a great one, Tupacal. Yeah, love I love Tupacal. Tupacal's great. Yeah. But in terms of um, fitness then, talk to us about it a little bit. What, what did you do about Because I feel like I've talked about this a million times. It's good to get a fresh perspective. As a first-time tracker or? Yeah, first-time yeah, or... first tracker. So you want to start getting sort of trek fit. Yeah. Um, you know, is there any sort of special exercises or, or or what did you do in order to get yourself ready? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, it was it was quite simple, really. I mean, the first time I just honestly, because we've got um, Penavan, which is a local mountain. It's not it's not massive, but um, just something that for training wise, just just put on a backpack, weighted down, put some water in there. Yeah. Um, and decent boots, the boots that you're going to wear on the trip um, and just, just constant walking for, you know, four hours and then, and then a bit longer than that. Yeah. Um, Cause I did Panavan so many times um, for, for going to Morocco. And to be honest, because this was before I was with Evertrack, yeah. the first time we did Tupacal and cause you were there, yeah, obviously yeah. you weren't well. Um, but I definitely struggled just because I didn't, as a first timer, I don't think a lot of it was mental as well yeah my mental state wasn't quite there um you know not as much as i am now i'm a bit more focused and resilient um but back then not so much so i did i did struggle but you know i we pushed through with the help of like everyone on the team because that's the thing like you're with a group of people you're not on your own yeah and they're going to push you um and that's what i needed as a first timer um to, to get to the top um yeah anyway so 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 that time yeah it, it was a struggle um but the second time um because the first time i didn't have a son yeah second that... time i did is that how it worked yeah yeah i think that's how it worked no no you he just... was he was a newborn he was yeah a new... sorry <laughs> i hope my wife isn't listening i was gonna uh, i was yeah. gonna say i'm uh, I, I'm, I'm let's s- just reverse that yeah well, yeah okay. yeah so um, as you were saying zach yeah you, you you're not you're not you're not long had your son <laughs> yes no <laughs> but so the second time i went to two cars like right i'm gonna train hard and for killy as well i'm gonna, a bit later on i'm gonna train hard i got my son what am i gonna do i've talked about this on a previous tti but for those of you that that weren't there for that um I got a baby carrier yep. on my back and like that was like a game changer for me. Um, so any parents out there that are like thinking, I've n- no idea how I'm going to train um, with a kid because um, you don't want to leave them at home with, you know, the other half or, you you know, you want to yeah. spend time with them in the backpack and just, <laughs> yeah. just, just, just get walking. And he loved it. Yeah. And this is a proper backpack, isn't it? It's not like you didn't throw them in the back of the Osprey. Yeah. <laughs> Just with, with like a like, with like a, a, a reed, <laughs> you know, to kind of drink. No, not quite. No, no. So yeah, lots of walking with with him in my backpack. Yeah, a couple of lunges. I remember you doing that. You went up the local Lagarth, I think, which is near us. Yeah, went up the and Garth down there. A couple yeah. of times. I mean, yeah, there's so much you can do. Like it just opens up like a whole world of possibilities. Really. Yeah, I, yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head though, which is you don't really have to do anything you know, groundbreaking or... No, you don't have to be like an Olympic athlete. Yeah, it's about about time on your feet, really. What you want to do is just get the feet, the legs strong, um, get some endurance in there and just sort of 
you know, I always say that when you're training to sort of, you know, swim, you know, if you're going to be a competitive swimmer, you, you know, the most training you're going to do is in the pool. Yeah. If you're yeah. going to be trained for a marathon, all the training you're going to be doing is pretty much going to be on the road. And when you hiking, yeah, it stands to reason that if you're going to take on a hiking challenge, most of the training that you should do should be hiking. Yeah. Now that's not to say the great thing about hiking is now there's no, in my mind, there's no real substitute for getting out there in the hills. Um, but it doesn't have to be every single time. Um, you know, so even if you live in a flat area, like we've had some people that have, um, right, yeah, you know, yeah, I think yeah, from yeah. Norfolk, I think, is that pretty flat? Could be. Yeah. 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 yeah I think it is. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. someone was from Norfolk and said it's pretty fat, uh, fat. <laughs> flat. Um, what you can yeah. do is just, um, you know, you could Stairmaster, you know, if you've got a gym, yeah. the Stairmaster is one that, um, after every session now I do 15, 20 minutes on the Stairmaster. So no matter what I'm training, I'm always putting, you know, getting the legs used to sort of that um that motion and yeah. carrying my weight and stuff like that yeah, yeah um but if you haven't got a stair master and you can't afford the gym then most people have stairs at home yeah if you're in a flat um, apartment yeah, yeah. I, I actually know so when i was in uh, newport leisure center this is a long time ago yeah there used to be a multi-story car park opposite the leisure center oh, yeah. and i used to park there and go to the gym and then quite often i would see this one chap and this is we're talking 20 years ago now right and he would sort of uh be going up and down those stairs with a backpack on. Nice. And one time I said to him, like, oh, how come you, uh, what, what, what were you doing? And he, and he was like, best exercise you can get, mate. Yeah. He was like, keeps me ambulatory because he was, he was like in his 60s. He was like, and, uh, yeah. you know, it doesn't cost anything. Um, yeah, it's a great, great way to learn. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 So that's what I would do. And yeah, it is just about time on the feet. I think a good thing you mentioned earlier then was, um, you know, if you are going to do a weighted rucksack, a lot of people do weighted rucksack, but they um, they might put like sandbags or right. something in there. Yeah, you're kind of committed at that point to carrying the whole lot home with you. Yeah, water is a good idea. Drink it. On so the reuse plastic water <laughs> bottles. You can fill them up, and you know if you get thirsty, you can drink them, and your pack will get lighter. Yeah. Or worst case scenario, you can just pour it out. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, someone's, someone's going to shout at me about wasting water or something like that. Oh, but drink it. Water your plants at home. Yeah, water your plants. Like to me, I think if you're pouring water and you're outside in the mountains and it's going on the ground, it's never wasted. That water will somehow go into, yeah. you know, bigger picture. Yeah, <laughs> bigger picture. Yeah, exactly. Look for a particularly dry patch of grass yeah, and pour yeah. it on there. <laughs> but yeah, no, that it is a really, really uh, real big one. Yeah. Um, one thing I was going to say as well is that actually taking on challenges to compete a challenge. Is a really good idea mm. um i know a lot of people like um uh, probably lee wyatt i think he's probably a bit of a savage bry bry these type of guys are always taking on these like big challenges sure um you now the challenge doesn't have to be massive but i think you do hold yourself accountable when you sign up for something yeah yeah um i remember when a uh, long long time ago when my knee wasn't made of metal i used i i, was, I signed up for a half marathon and I didn't really have much of a training program until someone just said, well, why don't you just enter a 5K and then a 10K? Mm -hmm. And it was great. It was like having that day that I needed to run 5K by was great. It yeah. gave me a target and a reason to get out there yeah, and, and a metric to measure myself by. Mm. And then when I went from that, it was like, okay, I'm going to enter a 10K now. And they did the same thing for me. Right. And then yeah. ultimately then I was able to do the, the half marathon. I think if you're doing trekking as well, some people don't need a reason, you know, the outdoors is, is, is lovely, but if you want to enter like 
Glencoe challenge, yeah. you know, or like a three peaks challenge or something like that. It can, it can give you a bit of a, you know, something to aim for during the period that you're training. Cause some people can go on for a year or two before they, you know, they book a year or two in advance. Yeah. Yeah. How do you maintain the mental focus to stay fit enough yeah, and make tough. sure that you arrive at the right time fit, you know? Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. awesome. That's good. Um, I think we'll dive back into the drier subjects now. Yeah. Insurance. Oh, insurance. Love it. Insurance. Yeah. Insurance. It's, um, well, it's, it's very extreme. It's extremely important. Yeah, it is. And I'll be honest with you. The first time I ever went to EBC, I realized that I didn't have insurance when I arrived in Kathmandu. Oh, really? And I was thinking to myself, "Ah, do I really need it? Like, I can't be bothered. Yeah. And when I got to, um, Facting, because I'd started the trek without it, mm. I was seeing the helicopters. Yeah. And almost certainly they were just carrying supplies. Right. But in my mind, I was like, every time I saw one, and this is, an, this is one thing I have to think about now is because I have a slightly anxious disposition, disposition sometimes. And uh, when I go to EBC or do these trips now, because I've done so many, I don't get nervous mm. ever. Right. No matter what mountain, even if it's new, I, I don't like. I'll judge a situation, and if I have caused for concern, I'll be concerned. Yeah. But I don't ever get the anxiety that comes from the unknown anymore. Mm. But when I think back to my first trip to EBC, I really did. Right. And I remember everything bothered me. I was struggling about like, oh, what if I get sick? Yeah. What if altitude gets? Oh, what's that headache? That's got to be altitude. My brain's <laughs> going to explode. I'm done. <laughs> um, so I sat there and I logged on to the Wi-Fi and facting and bought insurance from the next day onwards. Right. <laughs> Uh, so, so I was covered. Wow, wow. Uh, but I, do, yeah. I, but I would wouldn't follow my example. I would get it no, in advance no. because it's not just about what happens to you when you're out there. It's about you know, COVID was a a solid example of those people that already had the cover in place. Yeah. By the time COVID hit, with all the flight cancellations, mm. trip reschedules, and all of that sort of stuff, yeah. it gives yeah. you that extra layer of security. Yeah. Well, what what because there's so many companies out there and mm. i'm sure that's a big big struggle that people have is just looking through all like who, who to go with for, for your tracking yeah. insurance i mean i personally i think i went with true traveler yeah um for kilimanjaro and it's good because there's a specific um almost package that you can pick yeah for kilimanjaro for Kilim- or there's certain you know altitudes yeah you know so it's it's really good uh, true traveler yeah, they've got like extreme pack or something yeah, like that. But yeah. I think with True Traveler, there is a um, there is a Kilimanjaro package. Yeah, a specific one. Yeah, yeah and yeah. in when there is one as well for trekking in Nepal. Yes, yes. When you is. so when you buy it, you need to click the trekking in Nepal option as well. Yeah, um, and you're covered. I think yeah, True Traveler is a pretty good one in yeah. terms of um, who I've personally used. Mm-hmm. I think I've just noticed something Andrew Scott said there at 78. It still blows my mind every time he tells me 78. 78, wow. Yeah, blows my mind. Like an inspiration right yeah. there. I would, Amazing. if I am 78 and I've still had the adventurer's mindset and still have a, a willingness to get yeah, out and do yeah. things, do you know what? I'll have, I'll have considered life one yeah. at that point. <laughs> yeah. So, Andrew, I never do it enough, but mate, just what you're doing is, is is fantastic i think yeah you are right though i know policies do exist because i trekked with a guy who was 72 um and he managed to get one mm. i think it is a question of sometimes shopping around 
Um, and if you get in touch with a company and they're not able to offer you a policy, almost certainly you can tap them up for recommendations because they're mm. on the other side of the industry. So they'll know. Yes. I think Campbell Irvin provide yeah. policies for the uh, for the elder statesman. Um, yeah. So I think, yeah, try Campbell Irvin, try True Traveller. The guys at True Traveller are really helpful. Mm. So I think if you call them um, and they're not able to offer you a policy or maybe it's, it's, it's very expensive, I think keep um, trying. Yeah. You know? Big Cat. Big Cat, that's another one. Yeah, yeah. Big yeah. Cat. That's another one. Yeah. So I think, yeah, let me have a look. Um, two seconds. I'm just making a note. So yeah, Big Cat is really good. Yeah. 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 Just got to just gotta get, get those advertisers down in our stream, <laughs> mate, you know? So uh, we already have trips uh, in the Caracorum. Um, so uh, if you do want any, I mean, I, I admire the uh, the gumption of the guy. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Is a uh, it's certainly it's certainly a way to get a quick uh, yeah. quick ad in, I guess. Yeah, yeah. But uh, these people that have a tracker, they hear for they hear for the, the for us. Yes. Um, oh, yeah. Jerome big... says big cat. Don't want to know him. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Let's have a look. Um, wildlife uh, uh, white. That's Monique. Uh, okay. I'm certain that's Monique. Monique. Yeah. I remember I spotted it earlier. Yeah, we got a couple of people now with different sort of names like that. I, it just gives extra challenge to sort of remember. Mm. Um, Jerome said uh, there is still a large element of ageism in the insurance world, no matter how fit you are. Mm. I, I mean, yeah, I'd be, in, I'd be inclined to agree. I think that, um, you know, not any individual, no, no two individuals are sort of equal, really, in terms of no. their ability and mindset and what you've done throughout your life. And certainly, you know, you can be seventy-eight and fitter than most twenty-eights, yeah, or, or fitter than some twenty-eight-year-olds. I guarantee you that because when I trekked so. with that guy who was seventy-two. Um, he was absolutely, he, he loved it. He relished it. And yeah, he had an amazing yeah. experience. One thing I do think is it, I, do, I believe that wisdom comes with age. And when I think to back what I was like when I was 20 mm. and now I'm 40, I think that 20 year, I, I would definitely do better on a hike now than I did when I was 20, despite right, being yeah. fitter. Yeah. And part of that's the mindset, I think, and, yeah. and, and, and yeah. that ability. So, yes. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Oh, Jamie. Ah, how long before your trip can you book your travel insurance? Um, to be honest, I don't think there's much of a limit. I mm. would pretty much start getting it the moment the trip is booked. Yeah. Or at least have it on the radar. Yeah. At that point. Do some um, research. Yeah. yeah, do some research. Yeah. I think most companies, um, you know, you can go online and put in, you know, when you go in and if it's too early, they probably give an alarm and you won't be able to purchase it but i think almost all the time you can get policies whenever you want to buy them just for x date in the future mm. um yeah so i generally probably get mine between nine and 12 months in advance before the trip yeah um, yeah lee nine months yeah is that what lee why i'll nine months ago yeah. yeah and lee's the same mental fitness will always win yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely so, right i mean i think um i've seen lots of really fit competitive guys um you know turn back mm. um where people like who are you know the, the the muscle perhaps we need to work on the most is between the ears right you know because if that's strong yeah. body's strong yeah you know and i think talking a little bit about when you just jump backwards to yeah, your cool. first ever tupacal trip yeah i don't think it was like a lack of fitness or anything like that i think it was a it was a hard trip that one mm. and it was the last day 
I because yeah. I mean I didn't get to the summit with you on that one, no. but I think you were fine on summit day. It was that last day back when yeah. I think the fatigue kicks in. Yeah, and you said if and if at that point when you're physically at your lowest, for some reason you lose grip of the mental yeah gumption, it, it it disappears. It you was know? a hard one. Yeah, because like you've made it to the top, and then you're coming down, and it's it, it's it can be a long way. It, I was just like walking really slowly. I think you and me were kind of at a similar sort of yeah pace, and we were we were towards the back. But like, it's just hard because you just because I'm a quiet guy. Yeah, I'm just like <laughs> quietly like suffering. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it is a tough one coming down. You don't always think about it, and especially on Kilimanjaro as well. Um, coming down on on summit night, it's a tough one. Yeah. So you've got to be mentally prepared for that um because yeah it's it's certainly not easy no yeah you know? summit the four-day tupkal so summit to imlil in a day mm. is tough yeah there's no getting around that i think yeah. it's often overlooked because it's not the highest yeah. trip that we do I think it's underestimated but tupkal yeah. is steep to the top mm. you know there's no part of the mountain that isn't really that steep especially when you had the weather that we had on the second time oh, yeah, that was brutal yeah yeah, that it was, was great experience. It, it was. I, what was amazing about that was that the weather pushed us, I think, to our limit. Yeah. Much worse, a little bit colder, a little bit windier, a little bit less visibility. Mm. And it probably would have been a, a call it syndrome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, back down. But as it happened, we had like almost the limit of each one. Right. Yeah. So it felt like a real adventure. Yeah, it was pretty cool. <laughs> in, in, interestingly enough, though, um, when I, I went back then to do the third summit and, uh, it was we uh, two hours longer. What the your, yeah, your... me and you got to the top an hour quicker and then back down an hour quicker. So well, overall, we shaved two hours off the trip. Mm. I reckon it was to do with very little breaks. That's true. When that much, we, yeah. we you know water had frozen, <laughs> it was too cold to stand in one place for very long. Yeah. So yeah. we had very few breaks. So when we think about it. If we didn't stop to put crampons on, can you think of a time when we stopped on the way? Not really. I mean, Mohammed, our guide, he was just on it, wasn't he? he was yeah. Like, right. Stop. And then move, move, move. Yeah. We've got to go. Like you know. And then all the way down as well. I can't think of a time where we stopped, no. unless we were taking crampons on and off. Yeah. Yeah. That's nothing really happened. Yeah. Hey, look who it is. It's Rebecca. Ah, yeah, yeah. Comp winner. Yay. Awesome. Another congratulations to Rebecca. <laughs> um, yeah, so happy like um, for Rebecca. Yeah, congrats again. Do you know what's amazing is I remember when we first started these comps and um, we'd announced the winner and then I got to go with a couple of winners. So I got to, I got to see the full cycle. Yeah. And I often wondered, like, am I ever going to become like desensitized to this? Am I going to be like, you know, Chris Tarrant when he gives like the 10th guy a million pounds? <laughs> and you know what? No, no. Every single time, I love it, Good. and I think it's because I'm—it's like a true passion of mine. Mm. And then I know that someone somewhere else who has that passion has now been sort of the opportunity to go. Yeah, yeah, um, that's amazing. And everyone always says the same thing as well. Like oh, I never win anything. No, and I think this is why. Yeah, the you you. This is what was happening. The biggest prize of all. The mountain <laughs> gods were waiting for you. Yeah, yeah. Um, amazing. Yeah, it is amazing. So yeah, insurance. I think we pretty much covered. Oh, something cool. uh, just to go back to insurance, just a, a little tip that um, so when you're when you've got your insurance and you, you're going on your trip, remember to at least have a digital version or, or a printed version of of your insurance with you. Yeah, because um, especially on Kilimanjaro is that they'll want to see that. 
yeah. um, and note down the the insurance yeah. number and all that. Just just a little um, tip that you know some people might not know. Good point. Um, Very good point. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, paper copies. Yes, uh, yeah. I I was on a skiing trip actually, where you had to have the um, like the COVID pass. Right, yeah, I had yeah. it on my phone. Yeah, my battery died on the plane listening to podcasts. <laughs> Priority. So uh, when I got there, the guy was like, "Can you show it to me?" I had to show him my dead phone, <laughs> and it was really weird. It was just like, "This is my phone. It's dead." Charger. But behind the black screen is my. And he was like, "Ah, go on." <laughs> not worth the trip. And that's how it spread. Yeah. <laughs> it was you. It was me. Damn. Oh, uh, yeah, I still had a bit of bat in my teeth. Here. <laughs> but no, actually, to all seriousness, that yeah. time was a nightmare. But yeah, it's good to have things printed out. Yeah. yeah um, exactly. And the final one that we've saved, and I think yeah. we won't do too much of a deep dive because I think we'll lose our last 15 minutes with this one is equipment. Yeah. Um, uh, and about sort of what equipment you need and things like that. Mm. We're always happy to help provide you with guides in this respect um, and, you know, kit lists that will give you the essentials. Mm. Um, it's something actually we've been working on sort of uh, uh, revolutionizing is our kit list because, um, you know, obviously you, we write a kit list and then a year later some of the items have changed and yeah, yeah. also some of the guidance changes. Yeah. So historically on um, Island Peak, you know, you could get away with sort of B2 boots mm. um, all year round. Now we're saying that you can probably get away with them in the springtime, but in the autumn, when you're coming close to winter, you really need the double layer B3s mm -hmm. um, because the climate change, the way it's happening is that the Himalaya is, the seasons are getting wilder. And one of the things that is, is getting colder mm. um, and, you know, more unpredictable weather really is probably more accurate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think, yeah, you know, it depends on what trip you're doing, I guess. But I would start thinking about equipment again right away. Um, you don't have to get top of the range everything. No, 100%. Um, yeah. It's in, like a lot of the people that you meet when you do treks and things like that, they have a lot of like high level gear. But uh, that's probably because they've been building that up over time. Yes. You know, um, when I first went to EBC, I got my base layers from Aldi. You know, were they the best? No. Were they good enough? Yes. Mm -hmm. You know, they were perfectly fine. Yeah. Um, trekking trousers, I think I used crag hoppers. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and I think I got mountain warehouse fleeces and things mm -hmm. like that. Yeah, These are all that. things that you can get enough of to be comfortable on an EBC, Machu Picchu or Kilimanjaro. And then if you it is something that you want to do and you also visit the mountains in the UK, then you can build it up over time and start buying like the rabs and the, yeah, you know, um, definitely adds up though, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, no, you're right with getting, you know, you can get cheaper stuff elsewhere. I think one thing that personally, from my point of view, um, that I wouldn't skimp on is, is a good pair of boots. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think, cause when I did two the first time, I think I had some, some knockoff brand. I don't even know what yeah. it was. Um, and, my feet afterwards, they really suffered. Yeah. Um, so like, yeah, other things, you, you know, more or less you can, you can kind of skimp on, but I think boots is something that, you know, no, it's I, worth I, investing. I think you're right. When you think about it, when you go in on these incredible journeys and really you've got literally like, you know, just your feet yeah. carrying all your weight, everything you're carrying over all the rough terrain. Yeah. They are important to look after, and I think you are right. Yeah, invest in a good pair of boots. Mm. Insoles as well, I would say, are a, yes. a, are a game changer. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Often the insoles that come with boots are, are rubbish. Really, they're there because they have to sell one. Yeah. 
Um, but specialist insoles like um, Superfeet, they do loads of different types. Um, I use the Trailblazers in my hiking boots. Um, they're really good. Um, yeah, I've just noticed as well that uh, Charlotte, Alice, Decathlon, Charlotte. Uh, Liliana said... Um, Kill, uh, Achilles trip. Oh, I was going to say, I was going to say, look, Charlotte, yes, of course. <laughs> yeah. Charlotte, many yeah, she's of She's on Achilles trip. Me, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Me, yeah. Me, yeah welcome, Charlotte. Um, nice to meet you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Decathlon, really good, actually, for getting good quality stuff. Um, I know I've known people that go to Decathlon and buy like you know the, the ski jackets and things like that and right, um, yeah, use yeah. those on trekking, but they do um, yeah they do really really good stuff. Nice. Yeah. Um, uh, Mason said, "Ask Solomon Quest for DOK for EBC." Yeah, they'd be fine for EBC. Do you know what? At one point, probably half of all the boots I saw were Salomon 4D Quests for things like EBC. Um, you know, Machu Picchu. Um, Tour de Mont Blanc, you just need a good pair of hiking boots. Yeah. They don't have to be specialist rated, crampon compatible or anything like that. Um, and then when you start climbing peaks and you need crampons, you have to up the level again and again and again. So for instance, the boots most people use now to go to Mera are 600 pounds. Right. You know, but you can get away with a pair that's like around 100, 150, mm. you know, we'll get you a really good pair of trekking boots. Cool. Awesome. What do you reckon, Zach? Should we just blast through some of these cues? Yeah, let's see what we've got. Because um, I think quite a few have come in. So I'm going to move my phone there oh, so you can also see them. Okay. Right, well, um, do you want to take uh, Elaine's? Elaine, let's have a look at your question, Elaine. So my head's a little scrambled trying to work out how everything on the kit list, plus presumably all your trekking snacks and bars, is going to fit into the 15 kg luggage allowance on yep. the internal flights. I know you can store your before and after trek gear at the hotel, but does it really pack up this small for 12 days on the road? I love the tip about power banks in the pockets, by the way. Yeah. Um, she's put on also, at what point would the 80 litre bag, higher jacket and higher sleeping bag be available? I'm worried if it was after the internal flight, in case there would be no one left wrong size. Okay, yeah, yeah. So much anxiety. Do you know what I mean? This is what I was talking about. Mm. Elaine's exact problem here was sort of when I first went away. Right, yeah. All those sort of anxieties were um, were at play. Mm. So, yeah, first thing I would say um, is that, uh, I've, yeah, I've done EBC four times, and you can get the bag down to 15 kilograms with a little bit of finagling. Yeah. So one of the things is, obviously, you're not going to carry any... In fact, I'll start at the bottom one first because this will be the good order. You'll get the duffel bag, sleeping bag in Kathmandu before the internal flight. So you will be able to be in the hotel, in your room, transfer everything you need into the duffel bag. And there's a weigh-in scale in the hotel as well for you to double check. I've bought a little one. It was like a fiver on Amazon, like one of those luggage ones you can hold up. Yes. Yeah. Um, and you can actually practice and, and get it down. Mm -hmm. Um so, yeah, I would start by saying there's some quick wins. Wear your boots, you know, mm -hmm. wear any heavy clothing you've got on yeah. you. Yeah. Um, you know, empty all the water out. Um, carry your power banks and cameras, keep them on you. And then with regards to snacks and things like that, I tend to get those mainly in Namshi. It's only sort of two days of trekking and you can get loads of stuff in Lukla even, you know, where there's loads of shops in Lukla and you've got time once you land to kind of visit some of those shops and buy like Mars bars and stuff like that. Um, and then certainly in Namchi, where you're there for the acclimatization day, there's loads of stuff. So I tend to stock up on all my stuff there mm. rather than carry it all with me. 
Um, I will take some stuff with me, you know, stuff I've taken from home. Um, but, you know, other than that, yeah, I don't feel like 100% of everything you're going to take to the mountains with you has to be brought with you at that point. You can get things like snacks, drinks, and everything like that whilst you're on the trek, which does keep the weight down. Um, the other thing is, as well, is be, be a bit ruthless with yourself in terms of, um, you know, we want peace of mind, but we also don't need to carry two or three of everything, mm. you know. So generally speaking, I'll have three pairs of trekking trousers, um, two thin ones. They fold up and they weigh nothing. And then a thicker pair just for warm evenings. I'll wear my dang jacket and I'll put my Gore-Tex one in there. That doesn't weigh anything. Yeah. And then you've got socks and pants. They don't they weigh hardly anything and they don't take up much room. Um you know, trekking poles, they have to go in the internal flight in there as well. But again, what do they weigh? Hmm. And then it's just things like, you know, uh, I don't know what else is in the bag, you know, sort of base layers, yeah, base layers. you know, I probably take four, um, one fleece, that's all you need. Um, you know, because you, you don't, you never really have to double up on them, you know, socks and yeah, I don't think it's gloves and hats yeah, and yeah, scarves yeah. and things like that. So, yeah, there's a lot of, um, you know, I think once you actually get down to it, you'll realize that you don't need a lot. That, so that's what I'm hopefully going to get you to know. I mean, also, don't worry that if you do leave something in the hotel that you wish you had brought with you, just talk to your guide. Yeah. Almost certainly they can source something for you because there's loads of places, like I said, in Namshi and uh, Lukla where you can buy stuff. There's a North Face shop in Namshi. Mm. you know um so yeah anything you know don't you're never going to be left without anything you need with the guide's help yeah so yeah hopefully that's covered that one i'm sure there's a lot of packing and repacking and seeing yeah oh yeah yeah it's, it's funny because when i did ebc i did it like quite close together quite a few times mm. and i got to a point where i just knew yeah because i'd weighed it so many times yeah. but now if i did it again yeah you're right i would i would weigh it quite yeah. a few times and then be like ah oh, 16 kilos open it up that was me on Kelly, yeah. What can I take out of here? And, and you will look at it, you go, but I need everything. Yeah. And then you realize you're overthinking it and you'll just pick something up, put it in your pocket and then go, okay, that's fine. Yeah. I just have to deal with this that tonight and pass the flight. Yeah, exactly. Andrew Scott, don't worry about smelling. I've never noticed it on my tracks. No, no. I think that's because the ambient smell reaches a level right. where no one person like rises above. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so yeah. Right. Do you want to get one? Yeah, let's have a look. Uh, I've got more. Ah, Zamachu Picchu, question from Wildlife. Uh, That's many. Yeah. Hi, just reading about the guidance on Machu Picchu. Uh, I was hoping to go to Cusco a few days earlier to get used to the altitude and visit a few other places in that area. Is that not possible? Um, yeah, I mean, get in touch with the, with the team. Generally speaking, if you arrive a few days earlier, um, yeah. Yeah, we can we can sort we can sort of do that for you. I think a lot of people do it at the end as well. But no, it is a good idea to kind of, you know, get there because Cusco is quite high. So you can right. acclimatize, you know, and, and have a little time to kind of relax and everything. The only little bit and this is not just related to Machu Picchu, but it's it's everywhere, really, when people go and they arrive early is I always just say, just be careful, just be ultra cautious around sort of hand sanitizer you know, and eating well and things like that. Because whenever you go to a foreign country like that, you're always likely to get a stomach bug at some point. Yeah. And yeah. we really don't want that to happen before no. the trip. No. So and a day or two, absolutely fine. I'm sure it won't be a problem. But I do know a couple that arrived in Kathmandu a week before the trek. Oh, really? To just do some enjoyment and traveling. Wow. Um, and uh, yeah, picked up a bit of a, a bit of stomach issue. Wow. Not, not good. No, that's not um, ideal, is that? Yeah. Also after the trek as well, it's so much more relaxing because you're just kind of like, ah, 
yeah it's done yeah you know but no problem matter. yeah if you want to arrive early just get in touch with the team and i'm sure we can work that out for you that's no problem at all nice nice um do you want to yeah let's have a look what's that a a so mason they said just booked on to ebc um for 2026 you've got a 65 liter rucksack that can also be used as a duffel bag and you're going to buy a 40 to 50 liter to use as a day pack on the website it says ports can carry our luggage if we want but it says that on a porter can carry luggage for two people how would they carry two large bags or do they just uh, have to be under a certain size so what i'd recommend mason is so yeah the 40 to 50 liter i mean that's probably even a bit big for a day pack for ebc but if this is a pack you're going to buy and use in the uk and use a lot more it's fine um, the only caution i have with when you buy a pack that size is that just be conscious not to overpack it yeah when you've got the space you tend to put things in for peace of mind exactly, and yeah. it does add up when it's on your pack all day um and then you'll be given an evertrek duffel bag when you arrive in Kathmandu. that's around an 80 liter duffel bag it's perfect for the trip we recommend you use that one and the porters can easily carry two duffel bags mm. um and that's why we have the weight limit it's not just for the internal flight but it's also for the porter's health as well um, so the porters then can carry two rucksacks and the way they do it, they strap them together and carry them the Nepalese way. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think what two, two, I think 30 kilos is what okay. they carry, which for them is a walk in the park. You know? Yeah. They're amazing, aren't they? Yeah. Sweet. Let's have a look. Um, Sean, I made a Tuesday tune in. I see it. Uh, ah, how much is a helicopter back these days? I mean, it depends. Yeah. We would we always try and encourage people not to yeah. not to take the helicopter back unless you need it. Yeah. Um, because it's one, it's best to have completed the trip end to end. Um, you know, because that's all part of the experience. Mm -hmm. Um, if you, and then the helicopters. I mean, at the cheapest, they're about a thousand dollars. If you wanted to get it for just one person, it depends where you get picked up from and where you're going to. So say you wanted to get picked up from sort of Feriche and taken to Lukla, that would be about a thousand dollars. If you wanted to go to Kathmandu, anything from three to five thousand dollars, depending on um, you know availability and things like that. Yeah. We can always get people down in the in the event of an emergency. So if they need to be evacuated due to altitude sickness or injury, yeah. Um, but I'd recommend you take the. Uh, do it the proper way. You, you know? want to be Walk you want to be completing it and, and yeah, back. yeah yeah. I mean, I I've I've got I've done both, you know. Mm -hmm. But I but I did the whole trek twice before I jumped on the chopper. Yeah, and that was mainly so I could get from A to B on a on a, right. a, a for a work time scale type yeah. thing to yeah, meet yeah, customers. Yeah. But I think yeah, I would recommend uh, yeah doing the walk. Um, but yeah, it, it's quite expensive. It, the, the a lot of helicopters in the pool. Are like kind of like taxis we, we we tend to think of them as mate and rescue but they're they are taxis yeah you know so the availability of those and time and how many people it needs to pick up it's and just, it yeah. does vary but one thing evertrek is really proud of is that we don't there's no markup when we arrange helicopters just the bare price that gets passed on to the customer and we'll negotiate the best price we've got no interest in making money on helicopters um so yeah hopefully that's good nice um, time for one or two more yeah why not um let's have a look so elizabeth holt hit has said hope it's not a stupid question um but is the ebc trek to the safe or north base camp thanks no not oh, stupid no. at all no. um it's to the safe base camp in nepal um the north side is in um tibet china 
Um, and you can actually drive to the north side, um, base camp. Yeah. Um, cause it's on a big wide open, like Tibetan plane and you can drive there. And then the real one then is like ABC, which they call advanced base camp. Right. Yeah, and that's yeah. like quite high. I think it's like well over five and a half thousand meters advanced base camp. Mm. So, um, yeah, we're in the safe though, in Nepal. Awesome. Um, let's have a quick look. Any more we can do? Does anyone on EBSEC help out with the Carry Me Back charity from Andrew Rooks? Yeah, everyone. Um, so when you get to Namshi, just to explain what that is, it's from a um, an organization called Sagamatha Next that look after the um, the national park. Um, one of their initiatives is the Carry Me Back campaign, where all single-use plastics are shredded and put into these little silver packs. They don't weigh much, but you can just clip them onto your bag. Mm. So usually between Namshi and Lukla, going towards Lukla, you'll see loads of people like with all these little silver packs. Cool. And then when you yeah. get into Namshi, you can unclip them and dump them. Nice. And then that gets transported out. So That's really, awesome. really, really good. And I highly recommend that anyone that goes to EBC clips on a few of those and helps get some bottles down. Nice. Awesome, guys. I think that's it for today. But yeah, really good one. Um, yeah, loads, loads of questions loads as well. So um, yeah, thank you very much, guys. Um, hopefully you're enjoying your pancakes. Yes, don't forget. Yeah, yeah. 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 The, the true meaning of the Tuesday tune-in has revealed itself. Pancakes. Pancakes. Um, yeah, and uh, I think normal service will resume next week. Um, yeah. This isn't normal. <laughs> well, you're a special guest. Am I a special guest? A special guest, you see. Yeah, extraordinary, I would call there this. There we go. Yeah. Save this, save awesome. Thank you, guys. Take nice care. One. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.